for the fact that you are so, so good. Lord, I pray right now that we see your goodness through your word. God, that it awaken, awakens us and awakens our, our minds and our hearts to the reality of, God, you have spoken to us. You've given us truth that we can latch on to. Lord, I know that, that people will listen to anything and everything. But God, I pray that they would listen to truth. I pray that they would see through everything else and see the truth. God, because you're good and your truth is good. So, Lord, may we embrace your truth today. May we just say yes to the truth today. Maybe we say, no matter what anybody else says, God, we're going to embrace truth. Lord, thank you so much, God, for giving us a chance to worship you through your word. I pray that we never, ever, ever take this time for granted, God, that it would always be precious to us and that you are glorified by our lives being changed through this word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I would be remiss if I didn't address some of the stuff going on in the world today. I really thought about preaching about many different things and talking about all uh, all the stuff that has been on my heart over the past couple of weeks, but I could not ignore what is going on right now and the fact that there is a lot of chaos in the world. But there are a lot of people that think that they're... Uh, they're portraying the, the right image by standing up and rebelling and, and protesting and rioting and all those sorts of things. And, and I felt like today I would be remiss if I did not address that on some level. I saw something that kind of caught my eye. It's about a famous pastor and a guy I love dearly, and I'm not going to say his name, but somebody I respect a tremendous amount. And, and the the... Instagram, Facebook, Twitter posts with something along the lines of, this has to stop. This has to stop. And, and I understand where he was coming from. I really do. I understand that he was trying to say that we have to do everything in our power to, to, to not allow people in places of authority and, and places of power to abuse that when they have the wrong heart. Okay? Well, let me tell you something. That is never going to happen. This side of heaven, we are never going to be completely able to completely eliminate every ounce of evil that exists in the world. It's not going to happen. We cannot do that. To say that this has to stop has an implication that, that we have to do something. That is not going to happen. There will forever be police officers that will abuse their power. There will forever be some psychopath that plants himself up in a, a hotel room somewhere and shoots down on a crowd of people watching a concert. There will forever be people that hate us because we are Christians or we claim to be a Christian nature and they will hijack our planes and, and run them into buildings. That will forever happen because we cannot forever eliminate evil. So to say this has got to stop, it, it hit me deep because that has some sort of implication that, that somehow it has not stopped. It has not stopped. That we haven't done everything that we possibly can do. And let me say that, that there are a majority, a vast majority of police officers that are not abusing their power. There are a large number of, of police officers out there doing the best they can, helping people and loving people by serving people that they are called to serve. Do you know when it is that, that 
we'll able to, we'll, we'll be completely rid of evil in the world. Do you know when that happens? It happens when God does it. I want to read it to you. It's the very back of your book in Revelation chapter 20. It says this, I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, and the earth and the sky fled from his presence, and they, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books, of the, the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the way, what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead, and the dead, uh, and death and the grave gave up their dead. And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. And this lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found and recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That is when God says, enough, evil is over. How are we as Christians, the family of God, supposed to respond to evil? That is the question. That's the question that a lot of people are asking themselves, and that's the question I, I began to ask myself, and God's Word is very clear on that, and that's what we'll talk about today. Some people will say, you know what? It's okay that a police officer died because these riots happened. Uh, the riots happened as a result of, of someone else dying, so it's okay that... A police officer died trying to take care of people. You know what? An eye for an eye, right? Deuteronomy 19.21. Let's, let's talk about it, right? An eye for an eye. That's what God's Word teaches. Well, you're dead wrong if you believe that. That means that you don't have a clue what the Bible actually says. You have to understand in Deuteronomy chapter 19, God is laying out the plan for what it is like to govern a nation. And the go a nation that is governed is supposed to have laws, and those laws are supposed to punish evil. They're supposed to take care of evil. That's what that means in Deuteronomy 19.21. That does not mean that personally you're supposed to enact vengeance. That is not what that is talking about. It drives me crazy when people take the Word of God and they twist it and manipulate it to make whatever situation it is that's going on make it fit that their, their per personal perspective. When God talks in, in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 21, it says, an eye for an eye, what he is talking about there is the proper way for a nation to be governed. And a nation that does not govern that way, I believe that they fall under uh, a disobedient level from God, and I believe that, that they are a curse from God because they are not doing, the way, God, doing things the way God had intended them to do. So that is what Deuteronomy chapter 19 is talking about. So then what does it mean on a personal level? How are we supposed to respond? How are we supposed to respond as a, as a Christian family, as believers in the one true Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world? How are we supposed to respond? I, I'm just going to pick out one particular passage that we're going to look at in, chapter, in Romans, in chapter 12. We're going to look at that. We're actually going to start at verse 14, but I'm going to get a running start beginning at verse 19 of Romans chapter 12. You're following along. It says, don't pretend to love others. Is what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. It says, don't pretend to love others. I think there's a lot of people out there that pretend to love others. I think there's a lot of people that think that they're on the right side of right, and therefore no matter what they do, it's Okay. Doesn't matter if it's out of love or not, as long as they're doing what they think to be right, then then that's okay. I think that that's what it means to pretend to love others. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Yes, it's okay to hate what is wrong. Yes, it is okay to to not like 
things that, that are not okay. Yes, absolutely. But ultimately, we're supposed to love others, really love them. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and pray on, keep on praying. Then God's people, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. So here, Paul is talking to the Roman church, and he's telling them this is the way that we're supposed to behave, and we're supposed to really love people. Really love people. If you're wondering as a Christian, how am I supposed to behave? What am I supposed to do? You really love people. So how does that translate then when we are wronged? When we feel like there's an injustice in the world, how are we supposed to behave? How are we supposed to respond? We feel like that maybe we've been wronged, or one of our brothers has been wronged, or somebody we love has been wronged. How are we supposed to behave? What are we supposed to do? Well, thankfully, God tells us. Thankfully, God tells us. Before I go here, I just want to tell you that this word is precious, and this word is good. And when you are looking for answers, I encourage you to look into this word. My question to you would be this, is if you're, if you're looking to find, how am I supposed to respond, which do you do? Do you watch the news and read social media more, or do you read this book more? Which one do you do more of? If you're really looking, trying to find the way that you're supposed to behave, are you looking to the world, or are you looking to God? Which one do you do more? Do you read social media and, and watch the news more, or do you read this book more? Which one do you do more? Because if you want to be on the right side of right, you read this book more and listen to what God says more than you do listening to what the world says. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. How do we, how do we handle it when we're persecuted? Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. I don't need to say anything else about that. I think everyone here knows what it means to bless somebody who persecutes you because you bless people, you bless people all the time that are good to you. You are thankful to them, you pray for them, you hug them and love them and care for them and you wish the best for them. You bless them. God says through his apostle Paul talking to us through his word that is written down right before us that all of us can look at I'm not making this up. You have a book. You can read it yourself. Bless those who persecute. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Oh, and I was wondering all this time what I was supposed to do. I was wondering how I was supposed to respond to all the injustice in the world. I was wondering as a Christian, how is it that I'm supposed to respond? Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Oh, that sounds real easy, doesn't it? Just like most things in God's Word, it's, it's easier said than done. It, it's real easy to read the words. It's real hard to put them into practice. Because you know why that is, right? It's, it's a natural answer to this question. It's because our, our physical bodies, our flesh, our, 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 our desires, desires of our own heart, they naturally rebel against what God says. If you want to do what is easy, then just do what the flesh says. That is perfectly easy. 
Just do what your own heart desires. That's all you have to do, and that is perfectly easy. But if you want to do what God says to do, you have to do what is hard. What is in direct rebellion to what your flesh and your heart and all your desires, you have to do in re- what is in direct rebellion to all those things. So God says, through his apostle Paul, pray that God will bless them. He goes on to talk about people that are happy. He says, be happy for those who are happy and weep with those who weep. So what he is saying here is this. He says, when somebody else is successful, when they, good things happen to them, when wonderful things are happening in their lives, don't be jealous of that. Be happy for them. Grab them, and instead of saying, man, I wish I had what you had, you say, I'm so thankful that you have what you have. I'm happy for you. I'm genuinely happy for you. That's what it means to have real love and not pretend love. It's when you are genuinely happy when things are going well for somebody else, when they are in a place of happiness and contentment. You are happy for them. You're not jealous of them in that place of happiness and contentment they're in because you're not in that place. As a Christian, you're uniquely set apart and you're different from the world because you're happy when other people are happy. And when other people hurt, you hurt. Says when they're, when they're weeping, you weep too. You weep right alongside of them. You have this empathy in your heart that connects with where they are and you see their pain and you see their hurt and you say, I'm right there with you. This is not just how we're supposed to respond to other brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how we're supposed to respond to the world. So yes, when I see people that are hurting in this world because of injustice that has happened, yes, we are supposed to be out in the streets with them, weeping for them. At the same time, praying for those who who persecute us. We're supposed to be identifying with the hurt and the pain that all the people are going through and the injustice that they feel, but we are supposed to be encouraging them in the right direction because we are uniquely set apart as Christians and lovers of Jesus. I can't tell you how many times in student ministry growing up I've had people that they felt like they were, they were doing what is right. But man, they were so filled with bitterness and anger and jealousy and all of these things. And, and I could never say to them enough, just, just read what the Word of God says and you'll hear it and you'll understand and, and, and everything will be okay. But what I could do What I could do is walking through life alongside them, love them and encourage them and show them the proper way and the correct way to deal with that which which is injustice in the world and that which is wrong against them. So many students that I dealt with in student ministry, so many of them had, had parents that were just terrible. I mean, just absolutely terrible, whether it was neglect or or whether it was physical abuse sometimes we dealt with. And man, they just, they wanted revenge. They wanted revenge so desperately in their heart. And I I had to show them by loving them and walking alongside them and weeping when they wept. That's not the way. That's not the way. As believers, you know what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be showing the world the right way. Through love, through sympathy. We're supposed to really love them, not pretend love them. To pretend love to somebody is to, to say that whatever they're doing is okay. To go along and say, you know what, I'm not going to say anything, I'm not going to do anything because they feel like they're in the right, so it's not my place to correct them or say they're in the wrong. That's pretend love. Real love is when you come along somebody and say, I'm weeping right there with you. 
And I'll love you enough to show you the right way to do this according to what God says. I know that your flesh wants one thing, but let me tell you, God wants another. It says in verse 16, Romans chapter 12, live in harmony with each other. Live in harmony with each other. To live in harmony means that you live in agreement, you live connected with each other. Does that mean that you're supposed to you're supposed to agree with everything in order to live in harmony with each other? No. That's not what that means. What it means is this. It means that what's supposed to prevail in your life is love. What is supposed to rule and reign in your life is love and compassion for people. And that is what brings harmony with other people. I can disagree with somebody. They can, they can live a lifestyle that is in completely, complete rebellion against God. And I can still live in harmony with them and walk alongside them and direct them and show them the right way. Are there times in my life where I've had to do that and I wanted to shake somebody and say, what you're doing is wrong. Don't you see that it's wrong? Don't you see how destructive this is? Absolutely. The right way to deal with that is to love them enough that where you could correct them. When you love somebody and you're, you're showing genuine compassion and real love, not pretend love for somebody, then you get to a place where you can correct them and you can show them the truth and they will embrace the truth because they see that it's coming from a place of love. Real love. It says live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. And God put verse 16 in there for me. Don't think you know it all. I, uh, I sometimes get in that place where I think I know it all. I don't really struggle personally with, with enjoying the company of ordinary people. Ordinary people being like the disciples who were considered to be ordinary men. They were of lower class. They were fishermen. They probably had a, you know, a sailor's mouth. If I had to speak frankly, they probably did. They were considered to be ordinary men because there was nothing special about them. And I really don't think that this church struggles with that so much. I really don't. If I look at us and I, I look at... Who we are as a people, I think that we embrace everybody. We love everybody, and it doesn't matter who you are. You're welcome to come into this place, and we're going to love you and care for you and walk through life with you. Try to dress down a little bit. That's why I'm wearing chacos and shorts, you know, so that people go, hey, just an ordinary dude, just somebody that's up there trying to do his best. And I think that the last part, though, don't think that you know it all. Sometimes I get in this place where I think that maybe I have all the answers, that maybe I, I know what I'm supposed to know. And sometimes I get to that place and I don't even go to God's Word because I think I already know what God has to say about a particular situation. I already know what, what the heart of God is, so therefore I don't need to go and search it out and find what God has to say. I kind of already know it all. That's where God has humbled me. You say, you don't know it all. If you think that you know it all, then you're too proud to understand what I'm really saying to you. If you think that you know it all, then you're not going to be humble before me and listen to me carefully. You're just going to assume that you know the right answers and you're not going to listen to me. The only way to understand God and to tune into God's voice is to understand that you don't know it all. You don't know it all. And that's why we have to tune into that voice that is inside of us, the Holy Spirit of God, who God has installed inside of us to seal us to the day of redemption, to show us that, man, we are part of God's family. 
And we have to tune into that voice accompanied by God's word that I said was so instrumental as we follow God. And we try to figure out how it is we're supposed to respond to situations that happen in our lives and in the world. We have to come before him humbly and say, God, what is it that you have to say to me? And not think that we know it all. This is where the rubber meets the road. What do we do? Never. I like the word never because it doesn't give any room for interpretation. When you hear never, you think, well, maybe that means sometimes. Maybe that means on occasion. Maybe that means every now and then. No, never means never, meaning there's no room for it. It cannot be tolerated. It is not okay. Never. Never. In case you're wondering, that means all the time. Never pay back evil with more evil. I need to go on and read the second part of that verse. It says, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Never repay back evil for evil. Never look at an injustice in the world and say, well, I'm going to fix that. I'm going to be part of the resolution by doing something evil. That is not the answer. That is the way your flesh would desire that you respond, and that is not the way that God would have you to respond. Deuteronomy 19.21, about an eye for an eye, is about how to govern a nation. It is not about personal vengeance that we are supposed to carry out. When we trust in the Lord completely, when we pray for those who persecute us, when we say, you know what, I'm going to bless them as opposed to cursing them, then we're letting God have his way in our lives. Never, never, never pay back evil with more evil. But instead, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. My question is this. There's been a lot of stuff that's gone on in the world past few days there are a few people that have behaved honorably you can raise up awareness to injustice in the world without behaving dishonorably you can raise up your voice and let your voice be heard and as Christians we stand for what is right and what is in alignment with God but when you do it in the right way when you do it in alignment with the Holy Spirit of God, not your flesh, but when you do it in alignment with what God has said that we're supposed to do, which is to pray for those and pray blessings upon those who curse us, when you do it the right way, people will see that you are honorable. If you want people to come in alignment with what you are saying and know that you are right, do it in an honorable way, and people will see that you are honorable. You won't have to say that I'm right. People will know that you're right by the way that you behave. Because that allows room for God to do the work. See, us as individuals, you know what else our flesh desires? We desire to take care of it all ourselves. We want to do it ourselves. We're going to fix it. And say, by God, it's going to be my way or the highway. I'm going to make this happen. And the whole time God's saying, but it's my way. It's my will that is being done. Well, what is your will, God? Oh, you say for us to pray for those, to bless those who persecute us, to pray for their God's blessing upon them. 
He goes on to say, in verse 18, do all you can to live in peace with everyone. I was curious about what God meant when he said everyone. It turns out, I looked it up in the Greek, it turns out it means everyone. It doesn't mean some people or a few people here and there or the people sitting next to us or the people that go to Simple Church. It doesn't mean people that we agree with or people that look like us or behave like us or have the same social status as us. No, God says everyone. Does that mean that we're always going to agree with everyone? No, it does not. Does that mean there's sometimes going to be tension that elevates as a result of that disagreement? Absolutely, that's going to happen. But God says, do all that you can to live in peace. All that you can. Well, how much are we supposed to do? All. A little bit, maybe every now and then, maybe when I feel like it, or maybe on Sunday afternoon after I've been to church. No, all. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Then he goes on. This, this, this is where he kind of finalizes it right here. He says, dear friends. I, 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 when, when he says, dear friends, I'm, I'm thinking he's just like, hey, guys, come on, listen to me. I love you. I've always loved you. You're my friends. You're my family. You're the people I care about most. You're the ones that, that, I, that I just deeply love. You're, you're my friends, man. You're the closest people to me. He says, dear friends, y'all listen to me is what he's saying. Dear friends, never take revenge. Never, never, never take revenge. That's not the answer. If we really leave it in God's hands and we really leave it to say, God, you know what? My life is in your hands. Their life is in your hands and I trust you completely. Then you don't take it into your own hands. You never, ever take revenge. Leave that righteous anger for God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Now, I know that heap burning coals of shame upon their heads, I know it's a little bit confusing there. But it was a, a way in ancient Egypt where if you had shame, you had this pot of burning coals that were put on your head, and that was a symbol of the burning shame that existed in your life. It was a symbol of the fact that you are hot-headed and you recognize that. It is, a shame that. it is a symbol of the shame that exists in you because you recognize the place that you are in. If we are ever going to get people to come into agreement with us and live peaceably with us, they've got to recognize the place that they're in. That God has to do that. God is the only one that can help them see themselves for who they really are. God is the only one that can do that work. So when you try to take it upon yourself, you're leaving no room for God to do that work. In those last few verses I read there, you know what God said? Put it in my hands. All that rage, all that anger, all that injustice. Stand up and say something. Stand up and say it's not okay. Don't, hate what is wrong. That's okay. But do it the right way. Do it the right way in a way that people look at you and say, that's a person of peace. And because they're a person of, of peace, they're a person of honor, and because they follow Jesus Christ, maybe there's something special about the way that they live, and that is what's supposed to set us apart as Christians. 
is the family of God. Never, never, never pay back evil with evil. This is what he says, the last verse of Romans chapter 12. Don't let evil conquer you. But conquer evil by doing good. If evil, evil slips in and you repay evil for evil, then before you know it, evil has won, right? You think that you're doing good by standing up for what is right, but if you repay evil with evil, then evil has won. Well, what we ultimately want is for good to win. That's what we read in Revelation chapter 21. We want God to wipe every tear away from every eye, and we want good to rule and reign, and we want to be in the presence of God forever. When he comes in, there's a new Jerusalem, and he dwells with his people, and, and evil is done away with, and we want good to rule and reign. You know that that's supposed to be the meditation of our hearts all the time, that we want good to rule and reign and not evil to rule and reign. If you repay evil for evil, that's just evil doubles. That's not the way that, that we live peaceably, and that's not the way that we live honorably. What we do instead is we let good win. We let good win. My God is good, and we just sang about how good he was, right? My question to you is this, is that you may sing songs about how good he is, but are you embracing his goodness? Are you an ambassador of his goodness? Are you somebody that lives peaceably and honorably and in such a way that you are representing that goodness of God? If you're not, it's entirely likely that you aren't a Christ follower, that the Holy Spirit of God does not dwell within you. And you should examine yourself in light of Scripture and see exactly where you are and exactly where you stand. And you need to look in your life and say, does good rule and reign in my life or does evil rule and reign in my life? I understand there's injustice in the world. I really do. I get it. But the answer to that injustice is not evil. It is not evil. It's the goodness of God, and it's the goodness of God represented in each and every one of us. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this precious, precious word that you have given us. Lord, I know it is not easy to hear, and I know that sometimes we just well up with all this anger and all this hostility and frustration about the way that the world is. God, but the world is in your hands. It's not in ours. God, I pray that we be people that trust you and we, we come to you and, God, we, we lift up the people that are, that are doing wrong and we say to, say to you, God, please bless them and show them that good is what, what is the right way and that good is, is the answer, that you are the answer. Lord Jesus, I, I know that in our nation today that there's a lot of evil. And, Lord, it will not be done away with until you say it is finished. God, we as your people are supposed to be your humble servants and ambassadors of your goodness. So Lord, I pray that we live, live peaceable lives, that we live honorable lives, and people would see the goodness of God through our lives. Lord, you do the work in our lives. We'll give you the credit for it all. And we'll say God's the answer and God's the reason. And then, and then good will win. Good wins. God, and evil does not. Lord, I pray that you've worked in people's lives. You've opened people's eyes and their hearts today, and you've spoken directly to them. God, I thank you for the, the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. God, it's because of his goodness and the fact that he laid down his life for all of us, the ultimate act of goodness to this world. God, that's the reason that we're saved. That's the reason we have any hope whatsoever. 
Lord, I pray that we would be ambassadors of that hope and we would be ambassadors of your goodness. God, thank you for your son, Jesus, and the sacrifice that he made for all of us. Thank you for your extreme goodness. God, we love you. We pray that you are honored by our lives. In 